0: Go to transformativeprincipal.org/mastermind to see if you qualify to join a group of like-minded people who are ready to be the best principals in the country. Transformative Principal Episode 120 with John Lafoon. We're going to talk more about the Flex Mod schedule, and then Ralph's going to talk about the core values of his school and how they have redesigned their school to make it more awesome. And I hope you enjoy this interview. I learned a ton from it, and I hope you will as well. Please do me a favor and share this with the other principals and leaders in your school and district, and let's help everyone be the best leaders they can be. It's hiring season all across the country, and time to dust off your interview questions. Go to transformativeprincipal.org to download 10 interview questions to find the best teachers. So let's talk about some of the cost-saving features that this schedule has allowed you to implement. You talked about not having to build extra classrooms and being able to have more kids in the same space without building extra classrooms. What other cost savings have you recognized as a result of this?
1: Well, obviously, uh, as we've made the transition in the last few years to -to one-to-one, we're saving in this building alone around approximately $10,000 per year on paper, uh, which is a huge savings. I think that would have come had we gone on to the FlexMod schedule or not. But now, with more time for our teachers to plan and collaborate and really embed their professional learning, more and more teachers are really going more towards the digital route a lot quicker than you could have made that transformation because of the schedule. Uh, Another savings that you mentioned earlier and most superintendents will love this. We don't have to hire substitute teachers. Uh, We have a process in place. And as far as I know, we're the only school not doing that anymore. We have a process in place. When a teacher is out, I notify my registrar. She puts a sign on the classroom doors. They rotate through the day. She moves it a little bit old school in that respect. Usually the teachers will use Google Classroom to email all their students, you know, I'm going to be out unless it's something that comes up quickly late at night or early in the morning. And those students go to the SLT room and check attendance to make sure we know where they're here and we're accountable that they're here. And once they get attendance, our SLT teacher at that point will refer them to the assignment. When our teachers are out, the expectation is to post all of their assignments to Google Classroom for the day. And uh, the learning can continue when our teachers are out. And it's been incredible. Our students will tell you they love not having a sub. They love not doing uh, what they call busy work. They love being able to go in there. And if it takes them 25, 30 minutes to complete the work that the teachers left, it is very applicable to what they're doing in class. It's not extra work, if you will. And then they can use that time to either socialize, get some other work done for other classes, or go pursue what it is they want to do when they have a substitute teacher. The great thing for me about it is our teacher attendance has increased drastically, and uh, that's been nice. I mean, we would save the money either way, but I think our teachers are coming to school quite a bit more because they feel engaged and they don't feel as stressed, and they're probably not you know feeling as worn down. And then also without having subs. Most of our teachers have have told our our tour groups that have come through that it's easier for them just to post their assignments on Google Classroom and not have to worry about the sub not understanding the directions. And you know how difficult it is when you're getting a sub making sure you're planning for them. So it's been a really positive culture change for us. And we we like to say time serving students instead of students serving time.
0: Yeah, I I love that idea on, I think it was your most recent blog post about about that how great that is so don't not hire any, you don't hire any substitutes no matter what
1: well we have had a few situations that have have come up as we've gone that's a great question We had a teacher unfortunately have a have to have to have a long-term substitute situation we did hire a sub in that situation just because they were going to be out a while with an injury and uh you know obviously if a teacher's out six weeks that's something where you're going to want to do that and then We have hired some substitutes in our special education classroom here and there at times when teachers have had professional development or things like that, just to make sure we're doing what we need to do to take care of our kids.
0: So as as you can probably imagine, I'm on an island in the Gulf of Alaska and sometimes substitutes are hard to come by. (laughs) And that has been a great source of difficulty and frustration for us and you know we've had to do a lot of things to make it so that our students and aides and everybody had the things that they needed to continue doing what needed to be done and not hiring substitutes just sounds like a total dream yeah (laughs)
1: yeah i can't imagine i bet you guys have a little trouble finding subs first off and then when you have multiple teachers out i bet you're having teachers scrambling to cover we played that game for a, a long long time and You know, I mean, one of the things the kids have said on our student panels on our tours is subs are just babysitters. And I don't look at it that way, but that's how the students felt at that time. And so I think giving them work that's relevant to their classes and uh, allowing for them to step up and take the responsibility for their learning has really created a culture where our students don't mind their teachers being out, which relieves the pressure from the teachers. Quite frankly, and uh, they've both groups the teachers and the students have taken ownership and it's made it a lot easier for the administrative office on on uh, working to hire those subs, which uh, I know you're paying there, Jethro.
0: So it seems that if you have multiple teachers out at once, then you've got a bunch of kids overflowing into the common areas has that been a problem is that what happens or are you able to are the common areas big enough that there's enough room for kids to be lots of kids to be in there if their teacher's out
1: well that's something that i cannot understate the importance of if you or any school decides to try some form of flexible scheduling you have to plan. One of the little hiccups that we made is some of the savings that we had had. My superintendent allowed me to invest that back into our building, and he knew we were going to save $35,000 on, on subs in this building this year, so he, he allowed me to reinvest that as well. You have to plan out how you want your building to look. And by that, I mean we didn't have the commons. We didn't have the space. Uh, at the beginning of the year, You know, we might have 150 to 200 of our 600 kids out And what we did is we looked at it as, okay, let's take our cafeteria, which is our biggest space. Let's redesign it, put in a inspirational Starbucks type theme. Uh, We put in booths and different high boy tables, charging stations, made that a modern space like a Starbucks. And we expected every kid to be there. Well, what we didn't plan for, is some kids like to be in quiet. That's kind of our social area in our building. They like to be in quiet, private spaces, and we had the the company that helped us do the redesign place benches in the hallways, but on a day when, say, one of our largest ILTs, we have 120, 150 kids out, and then you add two or three subs, you may have 180 to 250 kids out, and uh, what we were able to do at that point is kind of redesign, add some more furniture in some other spaces that we were not utilizing, such as our gym lobby. We redesigned that, and we were able to get the furniture there for pennies on the dollar thank goodness from a restaurant in town or in in Bentonville that was going out of business in adjoining town and we've created some other spaces for our students uh, and you just have to make the spaces very uh, homey and, and, and plan out what you want each space to look like That's another social area in our gym lobby. The hallways are quiet areas work zones our students do work collaboratively there but they know that that there's classes going on and they're not to disrupt those classes. You have your two large social areas. And then we have lots of uh, what I call nooks and just little areas where we've placed furniture uh, where students can spread out on top of our commons areas, which accommodate, you know, 10 to 12 students in each one of those offices. So if you really utilize your space differently, think about your school differently and get outside of the box of every kid has to be in a set place supervised all the time to learn, then you can, you can take an old building like ours and, and really create enough space for your students.
0: So it sounds like kids are not supervised by an adult 100% of the time. In most schools, that supervision is an issue. And I know your middle school is doing something, a schedule similar to this. Talk about that supervision of students and whether or not that is a struggle or a challenge for you.
1: Uh, traditionally speaking... It probably was a challenge mentally more than actually being a challenge. Traditional school served me well when I was in school. I liked the structure. I like knowing where to be. Uh, but at the same time, it did not prepare me for college after school. Uh, I struggled when I got to college and then all of a sudden, bam, all this open time. Uh, so I think it's just getting outside of the mold and breaking, getting your staff to really take ownership and realize that it's our job to teach students the soft skills that they need to be successful wherever they go when they leave our, leave our high schools. And, and the vision of this is essentially that we're going to teach our kids to, we call it our three norms, leave no trace, be responsible. And that, that's a huge piece of this. Personal responsibility is probably the biggest thing that we try to impress upon our students on a daily basis. Our students have adults in the building who are meeting with them and coaching them on personal responsibility. And that's been a huge, huge culture shift for us. And then use time wisely because we all know that teachers always say the real world, you're going to have to do this. Well, our staff took ownership. The real world is not a bell every 45 minutes telling me where to go like Pavlov's dogs. The real world is being flexible and knowing what you need to take care of and treating other people with respect and working well with others and building relationships. And that personal responsibility, a big part of that is time and time management. And so we're teaching all those skills within our day, every single day for our students. And uh, I think you have to get out of the box of every kid has to be supervised and teach them, to have a culture shift, teach them personal responsibility, uh, teach them to act appropriately, teach them to be on time. Those are skills that we either learn or we don't. And that really dictates if you're going to be successful more than your content knowledge. And our, our teachers and, and our leadership team have just taken a wonderful job, have taken a wonderful ownership of our school and done a wonderful job teaching those skills to our kids. And our kids now are beginning to really know how to act appropriately when they may be in the hall without a teacher there. And that's something that, you know, I couldn't have said two years ago about our students. So we're really proud of of the culture shift and the work that our staff has done.
0: I'm going to pause for just a minute here and talk about how you can help support the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I learn a ton from doing this podcast, and I know you do too. If you'd like to support me in this, you can become a patron through Patreon, and that would mean the world to me. You can support me for as little as a dollar a month, but anyone who supports me for $5 a month or more We'll get the transformative principle members only feed, which releases the interviews as I record them rather than on a weekly schedule. If you've binge listened to any of the past episodes of this podcast, this is for you and I know you're going to love it. So you're going to learn as quickly as I learn and I thank you for supporting me. To become a patron, just go to transformativeprinciple.org, and on the right-hand side, there'll be a little button that says Become a Patron. You can click on that and support me. Thank you so much for your support. Not everything is sunshine and roses, and you're saying things like kids are starting to dot, dot, dot. What are some of the challenges that you have faced as part of this and that you it took some time to overcome? And what are some things you did to overcome those challenges?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You have to literally take on a growth mindset to have a culture shift because you're going to face challenges. Some of the challenges we faced, and, and, and we talked extensively with, with the River Bluff school staff and leadership team about this, students getting to class on time, students missing a class, students intentionally saying, I'm going to skip this class. We face those challenges on our traditional schedule. And quite frankly, they haven't increased much. But now what we can do is we can sit down on two or three different levels that we didn't have time to do and coach those students. And it's all about making your students take ownership of their actions and personal responsibility. And, uh, you know, if a student intentionally skips a class now, they're meeting with their teacher. They're making it up during that Independent learning time, they're also coming to the office and meeting with the assistant principal, Mr. Greenwell or I, and we're coaching them through that. There's going to be a consequence. They're going to have to face a consequence just like you would in a real situation in the world. And they also a lot of times are taking ownership for it. And, uh, you know, they're getting a consequence from the school side of things, but they're also able to say, hey, you know, it was a bad decision and here's why. And they're recognizing it. So it's given us a lot of opportunities, much more depth on uh, self-awareness for our students than we've ever had the opportunity to present. And we're mentoring our students. And again, that comes down to having a wonderful staff who takes ownership in it and building relationships with those kids and, and then learn them learning, when I go out, this is not acceptable and I'm going to have to go from here to be successful. I'm going to have to have personal responsibility and use my time wisely And it's just been a it's been a great positive opportunity versus the traditional system where it's a discipline referral. They come in, there's a negative connotation, a negative consequence, and you don't have time to coach those students.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, Any other growing pains or hiccups or uh, issues that you've noticed as you've done this?
1: Uh, Yes. One of the things that is is not presented in any information anywhere that we always talk about with schools uh, is is what I call phase balance. And by that, I mean, you can't have every class on a three phase or every class on a four phase. And the reason we we figured this out the rough way (laughs) after we started school during one of our periods or one of our flights, um, we had, I think, about 75 or 80 percent of the classes that were offered on a three phase. Well, what that did during that unscheduled ILT, we were talking about balance earlier, that created a situation where we had 350 of our 600 students out during that time. So you do need to balance your phases uh, as your team plans and you start scheduling and looking at some kind of opportunity for flexible scheduling. You need to consider phase balance. Uh, Just explain, be very transparent to your teachers up front. We can't have all three phases during flight one or flight two or flight three We need to have some balance here. So let's look at that as a team and figure out what's best for our students.
0: So talk a little bit more about that. How do you make those decisions? How do you come to decide which classes should be phase three or phase four, which basically means phase four is meeting four days a week and phase three meets three days a week? How do you make those decisions about different content areas?
1: I think you make those decisions based on what's best for the students. Uh, obviously, the teachers need to have a, a ton of input into this is my content. This is kind of how we our pacing guide dictates that we get to this content. For example, I'm thinking of science, being a former science teacher at a time. The, the three phase works really well for the lab's for the lab setup, for an inquiry-based lab, you're going to need a little more than 45 minutes and that nice piece of it is that hour and a half block. But then again for, you know, we talked about PE as a former PE teacher. You know, I think that content can work on a 3 or a 4 phase. So I may defer to the students first and then to the team, okay? So I have this second flight and we have two three phases already. You know, I'll take the four flight here. And that's just being professionals and having those teachers come in again and take ownership. And uh, planning for what's best for your students is, is kind of how we attack that.
0: Very exciting. So I still have a ton of questions. I know that I've taken a lot of your time today, and I appreciate very much you've taken the time to talk with me. You, do a, you host schools that come, want to come to your school, and um, you're also doing a conference this summer. Is that right?
1: Yes. Uh, we're excited about that. That has kind of grown uh, from one or two schools wanting to spend two or three days together in the summer. Actually, it started from the tours, and several schools said, let's get together and have you come work with our staffs for two or three days. Well, once that happens, then your whole summer's booked, and and that wasn't going to work for for my school or for the other schools, timing everyone wanted the same time frames. So kind of what uh, some of our teachers kind of led this, said, let's do a summit. Let's do a time when everyone can come to one location uh, and kind of get we'll have two tracks, an informative track for schools that are interested and an implementation track for schools that are have been here and are ready to try to put this into play. And maybe still struggling with it. And so we're super excited. Uh, the Office of Innovation for Education at the University of Arkansas has agreed to host the summit for us on the University of Arkansas campus, which is phenomenal. Beautiful place. Of course, I'm an alumni, so I'm going to get that plug in. But uh, we're going to have a two-day summit, like I said, two tracks, and we're really going to bring in some some. Great speakers and some opportunities from people who are in the system to sit down and work with other teams that are going to come, and it's going to be open to anyone, and we're, we're putting it together right now. I think we're about to roll out a website to get people signed up and get out information on the summit and we're super excited about the opportunity to collaborate with other FlexMod schools and then also serve schools across the country or anywhere that might be interested in looking at flexible scheduling to get their thinking process rolling.
0: Well, that that is great and when you do have that uh, website make sure you let me know and I'll add that to the show notes so that as people listen to this in the future, they can go to that website and get it. One of the other questions I have is you said you're a one-to-one school. Are you doing BYOD or is the district providing everything? And do you have to be a one-to-one school for this schedule to work?
1: Oh, that's a great question. We have talked with a lot of teams that are not to the one-to-one point this year. Uh, And I think that has opened my eyes to – Possibly some ways that you could make this work for schools that are not one-to-one. We really think that this schedule benefits students and teachers. So I would say if you're not one-to-one, don't let that stop you. We can figure out a way, a system, a systematic process to get the SLT and the ILT and the things that are aided by being digital, uh, we can get it in place. I I know we can. I'm I'm confident in that. We would be more than willing to help anyone get that going. Uh, The second part of that is... Being a one-to-one school, just, you know, for us, it's it's about giving our students a chance to succeed after they leave this building. It's it, That's kind of our mantra. What can we do to help our students be successful when they leave here? And um, we provide the devices. Uh, it started four years ago when I got here. We had uh, a computer lab with about 20 computers, media specialist and technology director in this building would tell you. And about 12 of those worked. And uh, it was kind of uh, shocking to me to see a school did not have any devices in their school, did not allow devices. It was a no cell phone policy. I mean, we were locked down and we were teaching school like it was, uh, frankly, like it was 1985. And uh, we just started shifting the mindset. The first thing we did was say, no more textbooks. Here's how we're going to fix it. Here's why we're going to fix it. And this is what our students need. And that ruffled some feathers. But I think uh, eventually, our teachers saw the priority to get devices uh, for the teachers first, and then second for the students. And uh, we just had a had a plan. My superintendent is incredible; he has vision, and he's able to support choices that your team wants to make to to make change for your school. And we had a, a plan there over three years to phase to one to one. We took our textbook budget, which was huge, and flipped it, and just said, "Let's put this into into devices." And uh, we've made that transition. It's, it's been a wonderful transition. And we've taken our time. We still have teachers who use some of their older textbooks to supplement instruction. We're not a purely digital environment, meaning every bit of instruction is online. I don't want to put out any misconceptions on that. But at the same time, we're, we're moving to very relevant instruction piece for our students. And it, most of our teachers use Google Classroom. Uh, I think we'll be 100% Google Classroom here in the near future. Uh, Some of our teachers still use Schoology for assessments, and they've mixed and molded, and they're creating something that works for them. And our kids in our district needed devices, in my opinion, in our leadership team's opinion, simply because of our high percentage of free and reduced uh, students that did not have devices when we, we did some initial surveys. So that's why we provide the devices, Jethro.
0: Gotcha. So the last question that I ask every interviewee on here is what can someone do this week to be a transformative principal like you are?
1: I don't know if I am a transformative principal or if I'm just a little bit crazy. So <laughs> You are.
0: Don't worry, you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question, but I would say some of the things that I would recommend for someone who's wanting to transform a culture or, or have a culture shift. First thing is you've got to be student-centered. Uh, and by that, I mean come in and assess your your current status, and listen to your students and their families. Get the community involved. Talk to those folks. Have some. We had some uh, open what I call town hall nights where we invited parents and community up, and we talked about some of the changes that we were seeing on the horizon that we wanted to make as a team. So get the students and the community involved. We do surveys. We constantly are assessing how we are doing, and the leadership team works hard to reflect on those, and then suggest changes to our staff. And the second part of that is in taking ownership of your school, build a team around you. My first year, I was just doing assessment of where we were in the school. We had wonderful teachers. We had great students, and we were teaching hard. But what we needed to do was have a culture shift and update our school to provide our students a better opportunity to be successful when they left here. And so I built a leadership team. I think that's important. Uh, Build a team and have many, many, many people giving input to any transformation or changes you want to make. And the more sets of eyes and brains that you can put on something, the better it's going to be. And it creates, it creates a chance for people to give input and it creates buy-in. And then the last thing I would say is uh, take ownership and pride in everything you do, and be driven to improve professionally, individually, and improve your school. Uh, be very driven to do that for your students. And one of the things that I've done is become connected. I went to ISTI. I wanted to improve. I become connected digitally. Uh, it's very difficult for an educator to spend the time that he needs to spend improving himself professionally and do his day job and be a parent family person whatever it is you have on your plate so you got to find balance but um, one of the things that ha- has helped me is is connecting with great leaders like you Daisy dyer Doer has been a, has been a big influence for me she's she's helped me a lot digitally to improve i've connected with local Uh, administrators and teachers here in my area that have helped me to improve and just constantly wanting to improve and uh, be very driven to provide the best opportunity for our students.
0: Yeah, that is great. John, how can people get connected with you and be able to learn more from you?
1: I mean, I'm easy to find. This is where I am. This is where my heart is. And I want to make sure that our school is the best it can be. And, uh, so it's easy to get a hold of me at jlafoon at prs.k12.ar.us at my school. And then also, uh, I'm very, I try to be, uh, obviously, uh, I don't do as well here as I would like to, but I try to be very active, uh, digitally. I've chosen Twitter for my platform. Uh, you can get me at at lafoon underscore John, J O N on Twitter. Uh, I try to connect there with, other leaders and other school teachers and coaches and and just anyone that I can learn things from, I'm going to soak it all in. That's just kind of my mentality. So those are the easiest ways to, to get in touch with me and connect with me.
0: Great. Well, I sure appreciate your time today and thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom with, uh, with everybody today.
1: Well, I appreciate you contacting me and uh, I look forward to some, some conversations with you as well. And hopefully I can learn some things to improve my digital presence from you as well, Jethro. So I appreciate your time too. Thank you for contacting me.
0: So there's a lot to learn from these two interviews with John LaFoon. I hope that you enjoyed them and I hope you can start thinking about some different ways that you can change your school to better meet the needs of your students. Very inspiring to hear from him next week. We're going to be talking with Susie wise about how to start having empathy for your students. She's going to talk about the shadow of student challenge that happened uh, back in February and March. And some of the lessons learned from that in the meantime, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and review for this podcast that really helps people learn more about it and helps it populate higher up in the iTunes charts and let other people know how great this podcast is and how much you're learning. Thank you so much. There's a link to that on transformativeprinciple.org in the show notes for this episode. Transformative principle is a proud member of the education podcast network podcast for educators by educators visit edu com for more great podcasts Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com/be